Welcome to the Just Elite podcast. With me today is Dave Levy in his arm sling. Dave, before I start, I just have to tell the listeners what happened. This is actually the second time that we're doing this interview. We did it on Friday and unfortunately technology disappointed me and it did not record. So this is now the second time. So thank you for, for taking the time and redoing this. So I'll and the YouTubers can, sure, can have a look at it. Uh, Dave, tell us, your arm is in a sling, games is around the corner, what happened? So, where am I now? Monday, so last week, I think three weeks ago, Friday, I was busy doing, had restarted training after the semifinals um, and um, for the individuals, and then we were training, obviously, for the games, Um the finals for the men, 40 to 45, obviously doing prep work for that. I needed to get some strongman work in and I was doing some tire flips and sandbag carries. And I think on my last rep of the tire flips, uh, just given the time domain, basically as I lifted, I just heard bah! and felt obviously in my front of my sort of forearm, um, like a snapping sort of moving sensation. Anyway, uh, so immediately I thought, oh, I tore my biceps. Um, and that's actually is what happened. I tore my distal biceps. So, yeah, that's why I'm in a sling. I had surgery just the other day. Uh, this uh, Last week, Monday, exactly a week ago, I had surgery. And I'm in a splint now. So it's like a just set past 90 degrees, mm. half-cast splint. Um, it's got to be like this for like two and a half weeks or so. And then I go to 30 degrees. So, yeah. That's why I'm in a sling. <laughs> but that obviously means that your season is over. I mean, this is not going to heal within the next four weeks to make it to, to medicine. No, no, no. No, as it happened, I, I thought, like, as it happened, I was like, oh, there goes my game season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually the next day, I was in a sling for about 24 hours. I just chatted to my sports doc, Conrad, and... Um, he was going to evaluate me on actually the next day and then send me for ultrasound on the Monday. But already like 24 hours later, it felt quite a lot better. So I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it was just a, a smaller grade 10. I can possibly get away with um, continuing to train and then just uh, bring the arm back over the two or three weeks before the, the event. But um yeah, the ultrasound showed it was a very substantial tear. And when I saw the orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Stunder, he um, he confirmed that it was really bad. And he just said, no, surgery straight away. So just had a quick glance. And, and, it, was, um, and it was it completely yeah. off? Was, I mean, because you posted a video, a, a photo on, on social media, a very graphic video. And I think actually um, on one of the posts, Instagram <laughs> censored it. So if you, you know, if you're very squeamish, you shouldn't actually look at that. But he's holding the tendon. That- I think it's the tendon in, with the tweezer. What is it the tendon and was it completely off? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I actually haven't spoken to him on the exact... Well, he did say it was off. So, um, yeah, I think that's just basically the, what they went and retrieved. So that's the, the, the biceps tendon. So the biceps tendon come, come down, inserts on the radial head. Uh, and then ne- to the medial side, it's got like this apineurosis, like a, a fascial type... Um, uh, connection also on the ulna so what actually happened that was still intact the one side but the whole um, distal biceps tendon was off 
And so the biceps didn't actually retract fully because it was still held on by the, the inner medial fibers that went via the aponeurosis. So it was a bit, it looked a bit weird and the mechanics looked a bit weird. And I, there was like a weird tension on that aponeurosis um, that I felt immediately. And that's because the whole biceps tendon was hanging off that and it wasn't off the main tendon. So yeah, he just said, listen, even if I was not even doing sport, uh, he would need to operate. And then um, he said, if I was a really old man, so older than I am, <laughs> that he'd have to um, have to, then he could possibly leave it, you know, if, yeah. Well, luckily for you, you obviously had a, had a very good doctor. Looking time-wise, obviously it's it's very it's so sad and disheartening, and and, and I can believe it was you know really hot, hot, bitter pill to swallow for you, especially so close to the games and having such a great season and missing out last year because of COVID that you won't be able to to make it to to the games this year. But tell us about the recovery time. What are you looking at before you can actually start putting weight on the the arm again? Started training it. Um, I know you posted a video of you doing single arm rows on, on your left side. So obviously you're still training the, the other side. So what does the time frame look like before you can actually go back to normal training? So yeah, normal training using this side, I think in at about three or three and a half months. Uh, and that'll obviously be really scaled and, 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 and obviously, um, more specific rehab type work um i think the i haven't got the full rehab plan yet but basically it's in a splint for a month i think it's just past 90 degrees and then at 30 degrees for about a month uh two weeks two weeks and then um what i've seen in research i've actually got to look at it a little bit more and chat to him is that they limited to limit you to one kg on that hand for i think the next month or so and then um, obviously there will be specific rehab stuff. So I'm doing some specific rehab stuff to maintain the shoulder, but things that don't engage the elbow joint and the biceps tendon at all. Um, I can use the wrist. Uh, just got to be careful. I don't obviously flex too hard, but I can squeeze and extend and move my fingers in different directions and that. So I'm just trying to maintain that. And then um, at the moment um so the and then i don't exactly know from about two months to about one and a half uh, to about three and a half months i presume is a, sorry uh, not a problem um, how do i decline this um there we go we're back mm-hmm. um so yeah um and yeah uh, yeah i don't know the specifics then from three and a half months around two and a half two to two, three and a half months so we'll have to wait and see we need to research a bit more but yeah um by six months competing yeah. instead that's good so basically you you will be back to your full potential of full strength and capabilities by the open 20 you know 2022 is that what you're working working towards now yes that's that's the goal so um yeah everything goes to plan God willing, then yeah, that's that's the goal to give to be, be, back. Then it's the timing's not too bad. In t- I mean, it's bad timing in that I can't go to the games. But other than that, it's good timing in that it's it gives me enough time for the next season. So obviously, if it happened in December or January, that'd be the start of the next season or just before the start, kind of the preseason, which wouldn't be so great. So um, it's um, 
you know, the timing is 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 bad but good. <laughs> no, no, so, definitely. Yeah. Now, Dave, you've been in 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 the sport for for many many years. Your first time at the games as an individual was in 2012. You were one of our very first, and I say our South Africa's very first individuals to to go to the games and. Um, there's this, uh, I spoke about it last time as well. There's this very cool image of you between Jason Kalipa and um, Rich Froning at, at the start of one of the events. But be- before I get to that, Games, tell us about accepting a setback like this. It's obviously not your first injury, but I mean, you've, you had most of your season. Last year was a mess. You obviously, you were peaking. You, you made it as an individual to, to the semifinals which you did really, really well at. So tell us about how you work with your mind and accepting something. Like, I mean, you don't really have a choice, but not being down in the dumps, getting back up on the side bulk as you did two days after yeah. your surgery and just, you know, putting your head forward and go, okay, cool. You know, let's just set our sights on, on the next one. Yeah, so basically as it happened, I was, I mean, I was literally still on my knee and, and um, my arm was paining pain had just subsided and I, like, I basically just uh, said a little prayer and I knew that it was God's will. I kind of knew that, okay, well, this has happened. God doesn't want me to go to the games this year for whatever reason it might be. Um, so I believe his, his will is sovereign and, um, you know, things that happen in life, you know, Matthew 6, I think it says that, you know, not one sparrow will fall to the ground without his consent. So, um, you know, it's all part of his plan, and um, it's sad and it's disappointing. But um, you know, I accept what he what he has in store for me, and um, that helps me to to move on. I think, um, like if I sit and think about the games and what it's going to be like, it's yeah, it's disappointing, and it's like oh, I wish I could be there. But um, uh, I wouldn't. I'm not depressed. I'm not down in the dumps, and I'm not sulking. And you know, typical things I would have done many years ago when I had my my ACL injury um, on my right ACL, I'd reconstructed, and a few years later, I had my one my left. I think it was 19, and then like 21. And back then, I remember being like, you know, I was, I was still a, a Christian, but um, I definitely didn't have a good understanding of God's sovereign will in my life, and um, I was. And even yeah, even if I did, I think I just I was like a little kid throwing my toys out the cot. So I was, you know, grumpy and irritable and frustrated and and all of that. Um, you know, so you still get a bit frustrated. It's my right hand, so now mm-hmm. I'm trying to work in the kitchen and that, but not to the same, you know, little little irritations. But not I was I was really I was mostly not so such a nice person to be around. But mm-hmm. um, the one learns through experience, I think. Um, I've had many injuries over the years and um, some pretty bad ones. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that helps. Obviously, from an experience point of view, knowing that I've got a, a, a you know, big belief that the body heals itself naturally or can heal itself naturally, yeah. which has a lot to do with your outlook, your mental outlook. So, obviously, my faith really helps that. It gives me a perspective from which to look, which enables me to then um, – go through that healing process and accept it and move on. Cause you know, I think if you don't accept it, you can't really move on. So, yeah, so that helps. And Dave, you, you clearly a man of faith and it's helped you 
through through the years and you said you you know it, it's grown and your understanding of faith and and has grown over the years and your experience as well i want to add something something to that being a rugby player in your early years being having being a professional rugby player there's a, a shelf life you can only do it for that long at an elite level you can play for clubs and so on mm -hmm. afterwards but does it help knowing that in crossfit you can literally compete at the highest level until the age of 65 plus knowing I, I'm going to sit out this year, but there's going to be another year and it's going to be another year. If your body, you know, can, can maintain the type of training that you guys do at, at your level. Yeah. Yeah. It's great that CrossFit has got um, the age groups and then they've just added another one this year. Um, and maybe they'll go up to 70 and 75. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's a great opportunity. And that's what I mean CrossFit's about. It's about, doing this for your health and fitness as you get older. It's not just about, you know, youngsters and individuals in the individuals competing for performance. So obviously it gives those that are training and using this as part of their daily life, the opportunity to compete um, in your later years. So, you know, that obviously is great. However, that's always a year missed. So there's two ways to look at it. Like it's, it's a year missed. I would, you know, left have gone, in all the years, would it be all the, no, I would, well, last year was the lockdown, but and I think I would have just missed out, got a penalty, and I think I would have missed by a point or two, but yeah, it does help, I suppose, a bit, that there will be future opportunities, and um, yeah, rugby is a little bit more, you can play decently old, but you know, once you get a, past a certain age, it's just um, whether you're good enough or not good enough, I think you do tend to tend to move on with the sports quite dangerous a lot more dangerous than crossfit <laughs> absolutely a lot there's a lot more there's a lot different types of sport and activities that are a lot more you know um that's worse i don't want to say that that's worse but that's dangerous um in comparison and, and a lot of people that don't do the sport don't see it that way standing on your head and doing handstand push-ups is concerned like it's seen as really really dangerous but i think going down for a scrum or getting tackled is is much worse dave talk to us about yeah. i don't want to say growing old but i mean you're one of our our most experienced crossfit athletes going to the games at the um in 2012 and you were already a master in now terms you were already a master's athlete going to the games in 2012 you went in 2013 as well and then a, a few a few years later again and now we're in, in 2021. Talk to us about growing older and maturing in the sport and where it started and where we are now in, in 2021. Yeah, so personally, um, in the sport as such as CrossFit, I mean, I'm, for me personally, I'm still improving all the time, um, which is great to see. Um, my PBs are all getting better over time. Um, obviously every single time you test them, they might not improve, but over time they are improving still. So I've got a friend PB the other day, just before the semis and I wasn't really trying for it. And then I got a PB power snatch at the semis, um, you know, so, and then if, if I repeat tests that I did in 2012 or 13, if I haven't done them, you know, I'm way ahead of where I was. So um, I was quite young, in terms of when I was very, hadn't been in CrossFit for long, in 2012, 
before I went, I think only six months. So, you know, I was a young CrossFitter per se, you know, um, and obviously I've had a lot more years to mature as a CrossFit athlete. My Olympic lifting is much improved. My strength was decent coming in. I was, I'd done a lot of strength training for rugby and I enjoyed strength training. So I came in with a good strength base. Um, but obviously not what I have now uh, with another, what's it, and since 2011, doing squatting three times a week, every week, you know, besides when you're injured, uh, which hasn't been that much, um, you know, you, you know, front squats, for example, gone, keeps climbing, you know, and um, uh, metabolically also improving all the time. So, um, yeah, and but for the sport as a whole, um, CrossFit in itself, obviously, you can just see the times and how they've improved since then. Um, so for example, the 2007 uh, workout that they repeated um, at the 2012 games. So Chris Spieler won that in 2007. They did the exact same workout in 2000. And, so it was 2013, the exact same workout in 2013. And then everyone beat his time except one person. Okay, it was Asia Barter. He just missed beating that time. He came last. Super tall, six foot five athlete. Just a tough workout for him. But he was like basically on the winning, or close just to the winning. Just quickly tell us what the workout was. Sorry, before you continue, what was the workout? So that was, if my memory serves me correct, one kilometer row. Um, and then it was push press. I think it was five rounds of push presses. I think it was just seven reps on. I think it was 52, so it wasn't that heavy, mm. and 25 pull-ups. Okay. Um, so it like ended up being 100, 125 pull-ups. I think that's correct. It's something like that. All right. And Sorry, um, I just wanted to know. And uh, yeah, and just um, so there was a massive improvement from 2007 to 2012, and then likewise now, um, if you just go look at times. In 2012 and you get guys to hit those times nowadays um you know there's there's large improvements so um saw something the other day what was it i just saw something i can't even remember the specifics i didn't watch the event but there's a regional ladder they repeated i think the 2016 or 17 regional ladder and then only i think six girls had finished it and then at the the semi-final event that they had i think whole like more ladies just the semi-final event hit it mm -hmm. so yeah it was um the, the the sports growing and improving has improved at a rapid rate and continues to improve which is it's great you know as yeah, it becomes I, more and more professional yeah i feel kind of it grew a lot from obviously where it started and then it feels to me like all the last five years like the the level of fitness and strength in the athletes have just multiplied to a, a, a speed that, that we haven't seen before. I think it's also maybe because a lot of people are doing it professionally now. You know, it's, it's mm. their job and they, they have the, the privilege of doing it. And um, it's just so, so competitive. And I think, I have to say, I think Matt Frazier's also got a little bit to do with it. I think he pushed, especially the men's side, to a point where they, you know, they would have still gone hard, but seeing what can be done at that level also pushed that side what is the I don't want to use the word secret but but how do you make sure and 
look after yourself that you can have a long career in this sport because it is very taxing on the body. The amount of training that yourself, you know, you've, you've been doing over the, the past, I don't know, 12, 11 years that, that you've been doing this sport. How do you make sure that you, that you have a long and successful career that you can still do this and go to the games at the age of 65 plus? Yeah, so I think, I mean, CrossFit in itself is made to keep people healthy and fit. So that's what it's made for the everyday person. It's made to keep you in great uh, sort of physical shape. So, and, and have, have high level of fitness so that your health, you derive great health benefits from that. Um, so it's naturally, it's not like the movements we do are just naturally dangerous. Yes, they become dangerous if you do things that you shouldn't be doing for your level of fitness, I think. Um, for example, you use handstand push-ups earlier. If, you, if you're doing handstand push-ups and your overhead shoulder stability and strength is not appropriate and you're bouncing off your head, you're obviously going to make your neck susceptible to injury. If, um, Likewise, doing pull-ups. If you start doing kipping pull-ups way before your shoulder girdle can handle that dynamic those dynamic forces then you're gonna be at risk so i think if you stick to um you know progressive training you don't do too much too soon and if you don't um push the boundaries too much so as an athlete so like this when i hurt my my arm it's quite interesting because it's i don't think i was training by pushing the boundaries too much so a lot of some guys can be maybe a little greedy when you train and i've done it in the past say for example maybe with improving deadlift too quickly i think i hurt my back when i was younger i've done a lot of pistols in a week before in a comp and i think a week later i tried to go too heavy too soon with deadlifts i'd been traveling a lot my pelvis out alignment and I uh, heard a facet jump, for example. So, you know, there's, there's definitely ways to train that are smart, can be smarter when you're an athlete and you've been traveling or, you know, you're starting out at the beginning of the season if you've had a bit of time off. Um, but, and, if, and if you break certain rules, you know, like just if you're just going to do a lot of deadlifting after a lot of heavy back squats you know or a lot of crazy rebound box jumps and you haven't done them in a while you can tear your achilles mm. so there's definitely things that you shouldn't do um and things that are dangerous to doing and obviously when you program you've got to watch for that um but i think you know as as a normal person doing crossfit it's inherently safe and then as you compete following someone who's well experienced in programming is obviously important and who's had, had time programming for athletes, uh, CrossFit athletes in particular, I think it's important so that they, you don't make those, those mistakes yeah. that can lead to injury over time. They can keep you going, keep you healthy. Um, I've had a few injuries over, over time. Acute ones, I think it's not too many. This one and facet joint injury in my back and then when i came back from that uh, i actually thought i was, wasn't training that hard and i was doing some deadlifts and some some i think 200s but they weren't even i wasn't even sprinting but i, I was 
on two weeks of pure bed rest. And that was about two weeks after that. And when I turned, I tore my plantar fascia. As I turned, it went, bah! And I thought someone actually shot me. So that was mostly my mistake. I shouldn't have, uh, I, I, yeah, I maybe should have been taking a little bit easier on the running. Um, just because obviously with two rigs of bed rest, your tensile strength of your tendons and ligaments reduce. So it obviously would have put me at, at more risk of hurting um, something like that. So, um, yeah, but that's what I'd suggest, following someone who knows what they're doing in terms of programming, who's had the experience. And that's, uh, I've programmed for myself through all these years now. Josh Capazzari helped me with some of my Olympic lifting in 2012 and 13. But other than that, um, basically, I've been programmed for myself and um, yeah, just being smart with the programming helps over time. I tend to do a bit more volume um, than most people, which you got to be careful with because obviously, because I enjoy it. So I kind of tend to train more and I find that helps me to get to where I need to get to. Um, but obviously you got to watch the volume quite a lot. I think CrossFit athletes can tend to overtrain in terms of volume and you need to watch your immune system and watch that you don't overtrain and burn out. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, following a lot of athletes on social media and especially those athletes that don't just post the highlight reel, but actually, you know, they're quite open and honest about what they're going through and the struggles and so on. And I've, there was a few athletes now that actually did post about having a burnout, doing too much too quickly, not taking an off season, not taking it easy. Do you find that um, especially because the season has changed um, over the last couple of years since um, regionals was made obsolete. We had um, the sanctionals. Then last year was just, there was one sanctional and then the rest got cancelled. And then this year now it's called something completely different, but actually kind of the same. Having that, that chase the whole time, do you feel the pressure to keep on training, not taking a week or two off? Like you said, you were on bed rest, coming back too quickly. Um, do you feel that pressure and that need to continuously keep going to stay at form and compete with the best in the world? Um, yes and no. I think back then when that happened, maybe yes. I was also running out of time because um, I think I was, it was getting quite close to the open. So I kind of had to, it was like do or die time. I had to start moving. Uh, maybe not quite as bad because I actually still made it that year, even after plantar fascia injury, I managed to make it back. But um, I think I think a lot of athletes do find themselves under that sort of pressure to to keep improving. Um, but um, I think just taking that rest, a bit of extra rest, so like. Generally speaking, after like the games, um, I would most probably take a week really chilled, just maybe do some fun movement, or if I go into the box, it's nothing to plan. And then the following week, um, you know, start moving a little bit more, but also just fun, not really taking time, you know, just and also maybe getting sorry, just my battery is running a bit low there. I'll plug it in now. Just, um, just running, um, but um, where am I? Where am I at? Uh, well, I lost my train of thought yeah. with that lost battery. After, okay. oh, after the, the game's the, recovery, those yeah. Last, yeah. Then those those that next that second.
second week, then just take in more chilled and um, progressing back into training maybe after three weeks. I know some guys take a, a month easier, um, but it just depends on the season. Um, I know it, it also made things a little bit more challenging with um, when they had the Open in October again, because then obviously you've just come out from the games and then it's October, it's what's August, September, October. It's like two months and then the Open's already there. But the best of the best, I think, you know, they don't have to train as hard to make it through the Open. Um, but, um, you know, that's the, the top, top, top guys. Um, um, but the rest, you know, even if you're on the, on the cusp, I'm generally not a, a a good open athlete you know i get better as the, the games progress so um i need to actually train a little bit harder for the open <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i think a lot of athletes definitely most probably don't get enough rest um or at least not even pure rest but just you know modulate your training over the course of the season so that you're not peaking at the wrong time mm. dave obviously you're very experienced and um you obviously give this advice to your games athlete, which is Eva Thornton, um, that won the games for her age division. Who do you consult to give you advice? Because sometimes it's difficult to um, keep that mindset when it's when you are at stake and you have to train and you have to think, you know, what is best for me. So who do you consult? Who adv- who gives you advice regarding your season and what and what not to do? So I have, I mean. On pure programming level, I don't have anyone in particular that I go to. So obviously, I try and take a step back and 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 look at it um, possibly from an outsider, um, an outsider, and try and think about it logically without, you know, my emotions or whatever coming into play. Um, you know, obviously, training, coaching Eva, and then also training with her as training partners. At certain, I mean not every day, but like on a Friday or Saturday, we train a bit more together. You know, it helps to bounce ideas off each other and chat about things. Um, so that's definitely, and especially someone at, of her caliber and at her level, that makes it, um, it's good to have someone who I can bounce things off. And even sometimes she'll point things out to me if she thinks things are, maybe I'm doing a bit too much volume or maybe I should get some recovery. Yeah. So it's great having her as a, kind of like a coach in my corner, athlete coach. And um, and then obviously um, I spent a decent amount of time on recovery. I uh, see Mark Anderson, he's my physio. He actually trains with us as well, yeah. And so he understands the sport that we do. And he's, he's really helped me a lot over the last five years. I'm a bike kinesist myself. So I know how to do, you know, that part of the rehab and, you know, mobility and that. But from a physio perspective, he's really helped me to treat my body and then to help bridge that gap between the time you see the physio and then the time you see, say, a biokineticist. And um, Dr. Conrad van Hagen helps me from a sports medicine side of things. So, you know, if I need, if I got injuries, I need to bounce something off them from an injury perspective. He was a, the, the Rugby World Cup doctor who, who won the last um, World Cup for the Springboks. So he's got tons of experience and I've known him for a long time. So, um, yeah, so having a good team backing you. Um, you know, my wife's a sports massage therapist, so she sometimes helps with a bit of sports massage here and there. Um, and with, um, you know, she'll also point out some things to me, as most good wives will, you know, if, yeah, 
you know, maybe getting a bit grumpy because you're training a bit too hard or, you know, it's not balancing your time out correctly. So she, she helps with that aspect and helping to keep a balance. Um, so yeah, it's a whole team. And then obviously there's a lot of support I get. I mean, besides the actual coaching, just from our, everyone at a box, you know, like, get to go to the games i mean i don't have the cash off hand to just go you know so if i did i would i wouldn't raise funds but um yeah i mean our, our cross little go community is really really great in helping to raise funds even to get the semis now they raise yeah. funds for that so so um, unfortunately this, the amount of money that they asked anyway it's a different discussion <laughs> yeah so yeah that's <laughs> that's basically the, the team that's Helps me, even though it's not particularly just exercise prescription-wise. Oh. Talk to me about recovery. You you spoke about um, the the physio that that's at the box. Obviously, a really really qualified and experienced physio that worked with you know the the Springboks, and then your wife being a massage sports massage therapist that can always be a good perk to to have around. But talk to me about recovery. You have to be on top of your game every day if you if you're training to be the the best. So. How do you, what do you do for recovery other than, you know, getting a massage and, and your physio checking out that, that you, that you're on track and you, you know, if you have a niggle here and there. Yeah. Sorry. So the sports doc, Conrad, he, he was with the, the team oh, and then Mark, the physio, he was with the EP. He's been with, um, uh, by United soccer. He does professional golfers as well. So he's super experienced with uh, tons of international experience with different sports codes. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, what did you ask? Sorry, my recovery. Weekly, recovery. My weekly recovery. Yeah, so I'll normally see him at least once a week. Um, as the season gets closer and closer to, um, like, um, the higher end of it, so maybe your age group qualifier, the quarterfinals, semifinals, I tend to get better and better with in terms of recovery. So I spend a bit more time mobilizing. I'm generally a bit bad mobilizing. I've actually pretty flexible in most areas there's some like thoracic spine rotational mobility is not great so that's something i need to work on and my overhead mobility i would keep working on in my ankles other than that the rest of it's pr i'm pretty mobile so i try and spend time on the specifics uh, things that i need to work on um if i've got any injury concerns i've had a few little niggles uh, this this year um and obviously trying to work around those um and um and spend some time doing like prehab rehab stuff on that um wednesdays we generally spend a bit more time on that uh, on our recovery day active recovery day and um but daily obviously you get stuff in daily try and build it into the warm-up um and into if this i normally do it more in the warm-up than to end although sometimes i do do it to end just like shoulder scap stability work to maintain uh, good positioning of the shoulders and the stabilizers there, for example, just as a, a general rehab sort of principle, um, keeping my hammies uh, strong. Um, in particular, a while ago, I had to do quite a bit of a GHD extension work to help with the hammies, to help prevent my back. Um, I was overextending in the low back and, and sort of hyperextending when I did lifts, which pinched at the facets and I'd sprain it there. So um, I did a, quite a bit of work on on maintaining good pelvic alignment um so those things i hit in the warm-up preferably 
and or with cool downs and then a bit more specifically on Wednesdays. And I do more and more of that as I get closer and closer to the competition to make sure that I don't get injured and fall out. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, it's also hard to maintain doing everything full through the full full year. So as I got three, three, two, one months out from the open, I actually push a little bit um, harder with that. Um, each week I see Mark for general work that I might need um, on my had a bit of a shoulder niggle this 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 year. Had a bit of a biceps impingement problem on the same side. Um, don't know if that had anything to do with the injury, but um, yeah, um, we did quite a bit of work there. And then anything anything that arises, trying to nip it in the butt before it becomes a big problem. You know, yeah, cool. so that's quite a key, and that's helped me a lot. Mark's really helped me a lot over the years. Just keep things in check. Normally I'd kind of leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. And then it becomes something bad. Mm. So that's a, a big, I mean, we all get niggles. You're pushing your body, especially your top athletes. You're pushing it. Just obviously we spoke about it earlier. You don't you want to push it to the limits, but you don't want to, if you push too hard and go over those limits and you're going to get injured, but you don't want to hang back too far. You want to kind of get some happy ground. And by doing that, you're always going to be, maybe have a little niggle yeah, a little niggle there and um, you just need to change it and sort it out and make sure it doesn't become a big niggle. Awesome. Um, Dave, it's, it's a pity yeah. we're not going to see you at the games this year and I, I believe that, that you know, the, the comeback is going to be, be great and hopefully next year when you will come back, we will see you on top of the podium and, and not in, in second place or third place and then second place. <laughs> we spoke about that uh, the, the previous time. So I want to wish you all the best with, with your recovery and looking forward to, to seeing you on the leaderboard next year during the Open. And good luck because your wife also had an a ACL operation. It is an ACL, right? What you said. Yeah, she, yeah. she tore her ACL in the hockey. She was just sidestepped in the hockey pitch and she slipped. And she tibial plateau fracture, ACL off meniscus repair and then a medial patellofemoral ligament was also damaged but luckily she didn't need to have that surgically repaired mm. so you, you guys are pretty at home yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good luck with that as well i can imagine it's, it's quite the challenge with with only having one arm and her only being you know having having one leg i think it's it must be quite the sports in your house trying to to get everything yeah. done it's quite um, comical. <laughs> I can imagine. So all the best with your recovery. And thanks so much for taking the time again to, to chat to me and all the best.